Welcome to Rapidly Rotating Records, an hour of toe-tapping music from rapidly rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s with yours truly, Glenn Robison. On Island Radio, KISL Avalon at 88.7 on your FM dial and at KISLAvalon.com on your internet dial. We've got dance bands, hot bands, sweet bands, show tunes, novelty tunes, blues, jazz, and more on everything from Aeolian to Xenophone and by everyone from Aronson to Zerky. On this evening's show, we're going to track our mileage. Your mileage may vary. Like Cinderella, we'll go to the ball. Three of them, as a matter of fact. We'll have no regrets about having some regrets. And with any luck at all, we'll have some words of wisdom about Mother's Day from one of my wife's distant relatives. But first, we're going to start off this week's show with another edition of... One Thing thing in Common. common. The four songs in this first segment are all by different composers, performed by different bands, and would seem to have nothing whatsoever to do with each other, but they all have... One Thing thing in in common. Common. Don't put too much effort into trying to figure it out. I'll reveal the common thread at the end, so just relax and enjoy the music, beginning with the Durium Dance Band. We are now going to play Sweethearts Forever. We're sweethearts forever, forever and ever. Sweet hearts forever. 
slanty, it touches the ground. But my tumble-down shack, by an old railroad track, like a millionaire's mansion, is calling me back. I'd give up a palace if I were a king. It's more than a palace, it's my everything. There's a queen waiting there with a silvery crown in a shanty in old shanty town. Thank you. 
Mending these roses with love so We started off this One Thing in Common segment with the Durium Dance Band, the studio recording band for Durium Records in England, which produced single-sided flexible cardboard-based records coated with Durium, a synthetic brown resin. In the U.S., the Hit of the Week label also used the Durium material. That was one of about 40 titles the Durium label released between April 1932 and January 1933, Sweethearts Forever. Sweethearts Forever was composed by Cliff Friend, and there are words which were written by Irving Caesar. 
The Durium Dance Band was followed by another studio house band, that of Crown Records, which were sold at F.W. Woolworth stores. The Crown House Bands were directed by Adrian Schubert, and in this particular case, in a shanty in Old Shantytown, credited as Harold Van Emberg and his orchestra with the vocal by Van Emberg. That record is having its 86th birthday this very day, having been recorded May 13, 1932. In a Shanty in Old Shantytown was composed by Ira Schuster and Little Jack Little, with the lyrics by Joe Young. That was followed by a Victor record, number 24043, from June 6, 1932. This being Mother's Day, lots of love will be sent with roses today, and that was I Send My Love With These Roses, written by Benny Davis and Joe Burke. The record was in terrible shape, and the restoration is terribly overprocessed as well, but I included it because it's the triple R debut of Ruby Newman and his orchestra with the Funny Boners trio. Okay, all you 12-year-old boys out there listening can stop tittering now. The Funny Boners were Gordon Graham, Bunny Coffin, and Dave Grant. They, along with Ruby Newman, were from Boston and headlined at the Hippodrome Theater in Baltimore in 1932, their first appearance in vaudeville outside of New York, where they presented what was described as comedy chatter, as well as a program of amusing melodies. At six foot four, baritone Gordon Graham was the tall funny boner and graduated from Dartmouth with a degree in music theory. Dave Grant, the oldest of the three, played piano and attended MIT and the New England Conservatory of Music, but didn't graduate. The group was heard regularly on radio and sang on the Fox Fur Trappers program, sponsored by I.J. Fox Furriers of New York. Dick Robertson wrapped things up with Ted Black and his orchestra, who were banking on the weather on June 22, 1932. Joe Young wrote the words and Sammy Fain the music. So, what do those four songs all have in common? Well, if you were listening to last week's show, you heard Three's a Crowd, which I mentioned was in the 1932 first national picture, Crooner, starring David Manners and Ann Vorschach. Well, guess what? So were all of those four songs I just played. Thanks for playing One Thing thing in in Common. I'm Glenn Robison, and you're listening to Rapidly Rotating Records. Methods for measuring distance traveled over land have been around since Roman times, and one way of measuring miles was to tie a ribbon to the spoke of a wheel, count the number of revolutions of the wheel between two points, and calculate the distance using the circumference of the wheel. That's pretty tedious, and if you were the counter and someone distracted you and you lost count, well... Anyway, that problem was solved on May 12th in 1847 when Mormon pioneer William Clayton used his invention, the odometer, which he called a rhodometer, for the first time while traveling the 1,032 miles between Winter Quarters, Iowa, and Salt Lake City. Of course, there was a lot of work leading up to that, and Clayton had help from fellow Mormons, mathematician Orson Pratt, and carpenter Appleton Milo Harmon. So, to celebrate William Clayton's invention, we're going to count some miles with the following rapidly rotating records.
where somebody waits for me. Five, six, seven, eight, nine little miles from ten, ten, Tennessee. Gotta walk, walk, walk up a well-known walk. Will she well, well welcome me? Five, six, seven, eight, nine little miles from ten, ten, Tennessee. I'll be traveling on my way. More to stray, got a kiss, kiss, kiss waiting there for me. Will I get it? Yes, sirree. Five, six, seven, eight, nine little miles from ten, ten, Tennessee.
Sam Lennon and his orchestra made a wonderfully lilting recording of I Want to Be Miles from Everyone for OK in February of 1927, but unfortunately my copy has some severe blasting at the beginning, so I played what I think is the only British recording of that De Silva, Brown, and Henderson tune by the Savoy Orpheans, made on July 18th. It doesn't have the Russell Douglas vocal or the little instrumental flourishes, but it has a nice piano solo by Carol Gibbons, who directed the band. Before the Orpheans, it was Jack Crawford and his orchestra who would walk a million miles to be a little nearer to you. After trying four times on July 22nd, the band finally got it right in the sixth take on July 30th, 1927. I'd Walk a Million Miles was written by Al Lewis and Gerald Marks and was preceded by Frank Luther with Ben Burney and all the lads, who were ten little miles from town on July 28, 1928. The band also recorded an instrumental version of that Gus Kahn-Elmer Schobel tune in the same session for export. We started off with Tom Jaron and his orchestra, who could have been in any one of the eight states that border Tennessee, Kentucky, Virginia, North Carolina, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Arkansas, and Missouri, excuse me, Missouri, when they recorded 56789 Little Miles to 1010 Tennessee around December 5, 1930. Nine Little Miles to 1010 Tennessee was written by Con Con Conrad, Al Sherman, and Al Lewis. The vocal trio is credited as Tom, Dick, and Harry, whom the editors of American Dance Bands on Records and Film believe to be the members of the WGN Chicago Radio Act, known as Tom, Dick, and Harry, namely Marlon Hurt, Bud Vandover, and Gordon Vandover. Marlon Hurt was a saxophone player and sang with the Vincent Lopez Band and recorded with Frankie Trumbauer before teaming up with the Vandover Brothers. After Bud died in 1943, Marlon Hurt became the voice of Beulah, the black maid on the Fibber McGee and Molly show, and its spin-off, the Marlon Hurt and Beulah show. Last week, May 7th, back in 1789, the first presidential inaugural ball was held in New York City, a week after George Washington had been sworn in. The first official inaugural ball was held ten years later to celebrate James Madison's ascension to the presidency, and the tradition has carried on almost every four years since. Wilson and Harding canceled their inaugural balls to save money, and Franklin Pierce canceled his due to the recent death of his son. Coolidge, Hoover, and Roosevelt all held private charity balls for their inaugurations. Since the 1950s, there have usually been multiple inaugural balls, and in this segment of the show, we're going to attend three musical balls, beginning with the Charleston Ball. Here are the six jumping jacks. Thank you. 
Indian mother goose has woke up in the nursery. Poor simple Simon said, I'm feeling sad. Says Peter Piper's daughter, so am I, and think we ought to try to think of something that will make us glad. So smarty, smarty said, I'll give a party. And they called on the old woman in the shoe. The cat, she brought her fiddle and she played high diddle diddle. And what happened then I'm going to tell to you. Little Jackie Horner eating pie up in the corner, stuck in his thumb, pulled out a plum. Little Missy Muppet, she was sitting on a tuppet and she said, yum, yum, please give me some. Little Georgie Porgy with his pudding and pie kissed Mary, quite contrary, till he made her cry. And little Bo Peep, she lost her sheep and couldn't find him, their tails behind him. Peter, Peter, Pumpkin Eater had a wife and couldn't keep her at the ball in the hall. Humpty Dumpty met her, said, I'll bet her that I'll get her and I'll make her fall. That's not all. Old King Cole, that merry old soul, he fell for Mother Hubbard, blew his big bang roll, buying lollipops and pretties for the kiddies at the storybook ball. They danced and sang till early in the morning. They really didn't know just when to stop. So as the day was dawning and the kiddies all were yawning, they found out the mouse had run up in the clock. Then Jack be nimble, Jack be quick, he started. And right over that big candlestick he flew. Then little Tommy Tucker started singing for his supper and poor boy Blue said, gee, I'm hungry too. Peter Piper picked a peck of pickling peppers, brought him to the hall. That's no stall. Tommy Tom, the Piper's son, he stole the pig and away he runs to the ball. Ah, that's not all. Polly put the kettle on, the tea got cold. They had to eat the porridge that was nine days old. Then Jack fell down, Jill broke her crown and filled the water. She hadn't offered. Four and twenty blackbirds were baking in a pie and they refused to sing anything. Wasn't that an awful way for little birds to act before a queen and king? Such a thing, said the knave and the king to the queen of hearts. Come on, hurry up, honey, bring some tarts. So she did, and the kids had a picnic at the storybook ball. Stumble. Billy Murray, the Denver Nightingale, with the song Sensation of 1917, The Storybook Ball. Joseph Pasternak led the orchestra, including some musical and sound effects on that Victor recording made all the way back on June 27, 1918. Storybook Ball was written by the vaudeville team of George Perry and Billy Montgomery. The sheet music includes very colorful depictions of each of the characters in the song. Sophie Tucker introduced the storybook ball on Vaudeville, but I couldn't find anything else written by either Perry or Montgomery. Before Billy Murray were the Tuxedo Syncopators with the Trousseau Ball from Path A 22181, waxed in July of 1919. The Trousseau Ball was written by Rudolph Frimmel for the Broadway musical comedy Tumble In, which opened at the Selwyn Theater on March 24, 1919, and ran for 128 performances, closing on July 12th. 
We started off at the Charleston Ball, put on by the Six Jumping Jacks on January 27, 1926. Charleston Ball was written by Donald Haywood, best known as the composer of I'm Coming, Virginia. I'm Glenn Robison, and the show is Rapidly Rotating Records. We're here each and every Sunday evening at 6 on Island Radio, FM 88.7, KISL Avalon, and KISLAvalon.com. Any horse racing fans out there? If so, you may know that on May 8, 1915, the Kentucky Derby became an American institution when the 41st run for the Roses was won by the first of only three fillies ever to do so, the chestnut three-year-old Regret, in a time of two minutes, five and four-tenths seconds. Paying $7.30 to win, $4 to place, and three sixty to show, Regret received a purse of $11,450, quite the sum in 1915. Obviously, owner Harry Payne Whitney had no regrets about regret, and I have no regrets about the following set of rapidly rotating records about regret.
love affair has gone astray No regrets I know I'll always care Though you're away Somehow a happy romance Ended suddenly Still in my heart you'll be Forever mine No regrets Because somebody new looks good to you No regrets Sweetheart, no matter what you say or do I know our love will linger When the other love forgets So I say goodbye With no regrets What do you want? I'm calling to say that uh, Miss Otis regrets she's unable to lunch today. Mister, Miss Otis regrets she's unable to lunch today. She is sorry to be delayed, but last evening down in Lover's Lane she strayed. Mister, Miss Otis regrets she's unable to lunch today. Uh, three more pennies, please. Uh-oh. Oh, wait a minute. I'll call you back. and found that her dream of love was gone. Mister, she ran to the man who had led her so far astray. And from under her velvet gown, she drew a gun and shot her lover down. Mister, Miss Otis regrets she's unable to lunch today. Why, well, this sounds awfully serious. I don't know what to say about it. Well, you better carry on. 
When the mob came and got her and dragged her from the jail. Mister, they strung her upon the old willow across the way. And the moment before she died, she lifted up her lovely head and cried. Mister, Miss Otis regrets she's unable to lunch today. I get the regrets. Goodbye. Goodbye, sir.
started off that regretful set with Fletcher Henderson and his orchestra with Louis Armstrong and a Henderson arrangement of J. Edgar Dowell's composition, Don't Forget, You'll Regret Day by Day. That Pathé Actual 78 was made around October 13, 1924. Edgar Dowell wrote tunes with some of the greatest titles ever, including How Am I Gonna Get Em When You Keep Holdin' Em Back, I've Got Those Broken, Busted, Can't Be Trusted Blues, of all the wrongs you've done to me, they're bound to come back to you. And my favorite, he wasn't born in Araby, but he's a shaking fool. Next, Denny Dennis and the Roy Fox Band had No Regrets on July 22, 1936. No Regrets was written by Harry Tobias and Roy Ingram. Denny Dennis may not have had any regrets, but Miss Otis certainly did. That was Jack Jackson and his orchestra from the Dorchester Hotel, London, with Alberta Hunter and Jack Jackson providing the vocal on September 24, 1934. Miss Otis Regrets She's Unable to Lunch Today was written by Cole Porter and was first performed by Douglas Bing in the musical review High Diddle Diddle, which opened October 3, 1934 at the Savoy Theatre in London. We finished up with Henry Lang's Parisian Dance Orchestra and Regret, written by Henry Lang and Cliff Friend. Edison 51270 was waxed November 9, 1923. Today is Mother's Day here in the U.S., and in the past I've devoted entire shows to songs about mother and recounted the story of how Mother's Day came to be. But this year we're going to end the show with a commentary on Mother's Day from Will Rogers. I think this is from a broadcast of the Ziegfeld Follies of the Air from Los Angeles on Sunday, May 8, 1932. So with best wishes to all for a happy Mother's Day... Here's my wife, Rita Adair Robison's distant relative, William Penn Adair, better known as Will Rogers. This is Mother's Day. This is Mother's Day. Of course, it's pretty late now to remind you of it. If you didn't know it before, there's not much you can do about it now. Uh, we might possibly shame you into going or phoning to a florist. Uh, they're keeping open this evening just to accommodate late consciences. Uh, Mother's Day, it's a beautiful thought, but it's somebody with a hurting conscience that thought of the idea. Uh, it was someone who had neglected the mother for years, and then they figured out, I've got to do something about Mama. And, uh, you know, and then they said, well, we'll give Mama a day, you know. Uh, <laughs> and knowing Mama that was easy, they figured, well, we'll just give her a day, and it'll be all right with Mama. Then in return, my mother gives you the other 364, see? <laughs> And uh, I, I think that was awful liberal of whoever thought of the idea, giving her one out of the 365. They could have given Mother a week, but uh, that would have been giving Mother a little the best of it. So they says, uh, we'll give Mother a day. And uh, of course, I doubt even then if the thing had gone through, if it hadn't been for the florist. They grabbed it and started putting the idea over it. You know? <laughs> of course, florists have, uh, they got mothers too, florists have, but... They've got more flowers than they got mothers, and, uh, and uh, they've got a great organization, the florists have. It's nothing unusual any day for me to get a telegram saying, Congressman Jasbo just died. Uh, we have special spray of beautiful lilies holding till we hear from you. And uh, <laughs> well, maybe I didn't know more than know Congressman Jasbo, but it uh, just shows you that, uh, that these uh, florists are on the job every minute. They've just practically corralled this Mother Day business. They, they have led us to believe that no matter how we have treated our mother during the past year, that 
a little bouquet of hyacinths of verbenias will square it, you know. Not only with mother, but with our conscience, too. When, as a matter of fact, you don't have to be squared with your mother. She knows you better than you know yourself. A mother is the only thing that is so constituted that they possess eternal love. Under any and all circumstances, no matter how you treat them, you still have the love. I was telling that to my wife today. Betty, I says, a mother and a dog is the only two things that will has eternal love. They're, no matter how you treat them. And my wife made me cut the dog out, said it didn't. <laughs> well, it didn't sound very good, and it, it might sound disrespectful to a mother, but I certainly didn't mean it that way, but it was the only thing there really is. You know what I mean? And... So the poor old dog, he'll have to go. I can't use it on account of <laughs> my wife. Man, <laughs> you leave the dog out, but he still loves you just the same and just as much as the mother did. But this being, well, maybe someday we'll have dog day too or something. <laughs> I can use that on the dog, but I, I really do. I, I hate to leave the dog out, but my wife runs this outfit. I'm Glenn Robison, and you've been listening to Rapidly Rotating Records. I hope you'll click in or tune in again next week, and as always, I thank you for your very kind attention. (laughs) ¶¶